This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here with the North Valley church of christ we're going to be taking a look at revelation chapter 12 here in just a second but before we get to that let me remind you again that this week we are going to start the tackling the text workshop up in prescott arizona the copper basin bible camp and we're going to be taking a look at hebrews chapter uh, 8 to 13 we already looked at the first half of hebrews last year You can still get that commentary. We're going to do the second half this year, and it's not too late to register. We still have a room. You can go to our website for that, tacklingthetext.com. Learn more about that. Learn about Guy Orbison Jr., who will be presenting the commentary. Tyson Calise is going to be our guest speaker. I'll be there as director and participant, as well as many, many others and plenty of food plenty of uh, places to sleep and lots to do It'd be great to get out of dodge you know out of phoenix and kind of disconnect from this world from the world and from technology and focus on the things that matter most so i'm i'm encouraging you to take a look at that and if you can't make it this year put it on your calendar for next year we always do it at the beginning of november every year and may the Lord bless that that good work. Uh, I pray, ask that you pray for that. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Revelation chapter 12. Now, last week, we finished out chapter 11. That's where we talked about the two witnesses. And then the seventh trumpet is sounded at the end of the chapter. Now, chapter 12. We're going to break this down into multiple sections. Let's start with verses 1 and 2 first. The text reads, A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain, to give birth. There's the first sign. So a great sign. Again, just this, this uh, denotes a new division in the book and visions. A woman's there. <clears throat> she represents the church, the people of God in all ages. There are three great ages of man in relationship to God represented here. The stars represent the patriarchal age. Only a small amount of light with stars. Note that there are 12 there, right? Representing the 12 patriarchs, the sons of Jacob. The moon is there. That's the Mosaic age. More light than the stars. God reveals more clearly his will by means of the law of Moses. A separation of the people of God from the nations. And the sun is is mentioned. That's the Christian age. Full light of revelation. God fully com- and completely reveals his will in his son. 
Hebrews chapters 1 uh, and verses 1 and 2 make that a little clearer for us to understand as well, if you ever want to go back and take a look at that. So remember, these are visions. <clears throat> now, I know it's, we're, we're quick uh, to say, well, that's Mary, and she's uh, pregnant with Jesus. That's not what we're seeing here. <clears throat> yeah, she's pregnant. We'll talk about that. That's the anointed one, but <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry. But this is representing the whole of all all three ages. You got the the patriarchal age, the um, sorry, the Mosaic age, and the Christian age, all represented here in the first two verses. She's with child, the coming of the Messiah, and that and you can we can go back to Genesis three fifteen, the seed of the woman. And trace throughout the Old Testament the promise of the Messiah coming through Israel until his appearance in the first century. The people of God from Eve to Mary brought forth the Christ. And that's all represented here in Revelation 1 and 12, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Next, verses 3 and 4. Uh, let, me, oh, let me read the passage. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. <clears throat> Sorry about my throat. <clears throat> the great dragon, obviously Satan, we'll learn that in verse 9. Red, denoting his murderous character. He's got seven heads, uh, perhaps the fullness of intelligence, cunning and devious. The number seven uh, may also indicate that he is assuming the position of God. He takes on a God relationship over mankind, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Uh, he has ten horns. That's the number for completeness, a completeness of power within his realm of operation. However, he's not omnipotent like God. He doesn't have that uh, all-knowing mentality that God has. He has seven diadems. This is not the victory crown here, but it's the ruling crown. He rules over this world as a god. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, John chapter 12, verse 31, if you're curious about that. Verse 4, <clears throat> you got the, uh, a third of the stars. When Satan rebelled, he took other angels with him, those who followed in his rebellion against God. And he stood before the woman. He is viewed as anticipating the coming of of Christ. He knows that this will mean his downfall and he wanted to destroy him. Now this helps you understand the the full understanding of the mind of Satan. He doesn't know everything. If he did, he would have known there's no way he would have ever been able to destroy this child. I don't think he understood exactly who or what the Messiah was going to be. <clears throat> I don't think he got, he got that. 
All right, let's look at verses 5 and 6 next. Yeah. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was cut up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. Interesting. All right. Let's look at those. So the son, male child, a repetition uh, emphasizes the maleness of this child. It may indicate his strength and power. It might emphasize the kingly aspect uh, as a son is a title of the king. Uh, See Psalm 2 for that. It certainly would denote that he is too strong for Satan. He's going to rule the nations with a uh, rod of iron, his rightful position as king of kings. He's cut up his victorious ascension back to heaven. Note, this verse represents the entire incarnation of Jesus the Messiah. The woman in pain speaks of the entire history of the world until the time of Christ. Okay, this is not that's not the time of Mary being in uh, in labor or or being with child. It's the all of God's people waiting for the time of Christ to come. And I can understand that being in pain, like oh, let it come. And then when he comes, it's a glorious event. Verse six. The woman flees into the wilderness. Uh, The woman is the New Testament church here. The wilderness was a place where God took care of his people, Israel. Prior to their entering the promised land, God is now protecting his people. The church age is this time in the wilderness before entering the heavenly promised land. Now, the wilderness uh, means an uninhabited place. You know, it's uh, Jesus would also often go to things, uh, places like this, to be alone with God, and that's where the church is right now. Uh, not that we are in an uninhabited place. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and there's plenty of people here, but it's not my home. This is not where I belong. I belong in heaven because I am in Christ. You get that. I think that's what he's saying here. Verses 7 to 12. Yeah, 7 to 12. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you, 
having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. <clears throat> so a new picture begins here. It's given in these verses. It does not picture the original ousting of Satan. That's not what's happening. But rather the spiritual defeat of Satan when Christ returned to heaven, having gained a victory over Satan's claim of the people of God. Here, the effect and result of the Savior's incarnation and his enthronement are portrayed symbolically. Satan was the accuser against the brethren, verse 10. Before the death and heavenly offering of Jesus as both sacrifice and high priest, there was no atonement for sin. Without atonement, we belong to Satan because of our sin. He could point an accusing finger at us, but no longer if we are in Christ. You got Michael mentioned here. He's the archangel. His name means, who is like God. Now, verse 10, Jesus gained the victory of salvation and power over Satan and brought the kingdom or, or the reign of God into the lives of people. He now reigns as king. In verse 12, how humanity can overcome the dragon. Here it is. Number one, by the blood of the Lamb. The forgiveness of sins is accomplished by Christ's sacrifice, by the word of their testimony. Because of their faith, they held fast to the truth, God's word, and by the fact that they did not love their life even to death. They remained faithful, even with the threat of death. Many were martyred and persecuted. They loved God more than their own life because they knew, they understood, and they knew where they were going. They knew that death was not the end, but the beginning. So, death, where is your pain? Where is your sting? It is gone. It has been lost in Christ. We don't worry about that anymore. If we have a good, strong understanding and perspective upon this life, and we can only get that, folks, if we are in the Word daily, studying and applying it to our life. All right, let's look at verses 13 to 17 next. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Wow. Amazing things happening here in these verses. Um, Verse 13 in, in the whole section, Satan turns his attention to the woman because of his failure to devour the child. So he wanted to destroy the Christ, but that didn't work. So when, since that didn't work, now he's going to turn to the whole picture of the church. And so this is another phase of his wrath against the child. 
What son could sit idly by and watch someone mistreat his mother? Jesus has great concern for his people. Acts 7, verse 55. So, wings of the great eagle seems to refer to the providence of God here, I think. And it takes her away to her place, a place of safety and security in the wilderness. That's representing God's protection, I think. And it's for how long? A time, times, and half a time. That's the church age. We talked about that last time. It is three and a half. About three and a half. You got time. That's singular. One. Times. Plural. That's two. And half a time. So one half. Which is half of seven. The number denoting God's complete will for mankind. So you got the Old Testament, three and a half. The New Testament, three and a half. If you were here, uh, listen to the last one, which you can find that on our website. I'll talk about that at the end here. You'll, you'll, we had talked about this in the, the previous chapter, that that's, uh, the number seven is derived there. And I'll talk a little bit about it actually at the end of this too, so I don't want to get into it right here. Let's go on to verse, seven, uh, verse 15. The serpent pours water out of its mouth. So now we're dealing with the imagery of serpent rather than dragon. Dragon denotes vicious power, while serpent emphasizes deceitfulness. So you got to recognize these changes here. Remember that these are visions. It's like a, looking at a picture, and now the picture is changing. So it's a serpent. The water goes out of its mouth. All manner of delusions and deceit in an attempt to sweep away the church. Any who swallow the lies of Satan are destined to drown in his flood of deceit. See, that, that's what he's hoping is going to happen to the church. That's his goal. He wants to make her die, and she's going to drown. That's what he's thinking. But something happens that enrages the beast, the, the dragon. <clears throat> Verse 16, the earth, all those who are not of the woman, that would be the true church. That's the earth here. It helps the woman. It may not have been the earth's intention to help, but when it opened up its mouth and drank up the river, it assisted the righteous. The delusions of Satan are taken in by those who are not interested in the truth. There is a clear distinction between righteousness, the woman, and unrighteousness, the earth so that the woman is able to shine forth in the world of darkness it is the deceit uh, this, i'm sorry it is the distinctiveness between truth and error the woman stands against sin and the earth accepts the lies of satan convincing it that promoting satan's sins is right the earth has swallowed such lies as evolution abortion adultery homosexuality drunkenness, gender fluidity. And I'm telling you folks, that, that one irks me. That if you do not let your child make those kinds of decisions, decisions anyway, got, that's what's going on here. And the earth, the world, continues to swallow these lies. But what were they originally intended for? Satan intended it for the church. He wanted us to be the ones to swallow those. Some of it got to the church, didn't it? Some people fell away, but only for those who were not seeking the truth. They latched onto those things and, and went after that. At verse 17, the dragon was enraged with the woman 
This seems to be Satan's failure to destroy the whole church by the deceptions of his mouth. So he went off to make war with the rest of the offering of her children. And I think this is referring to individual congregations of the church and individual Christians. This is where Satan currently engages his efforts to win victories. Since he could not destroy the church as a whole, he is going to win he will win battles with various portions of the Lord's army. See, he didn't even want the church to start, so he tried to destroy the child. That didn't work. So then he tried to destroy the whole church at once. And that didn't work. So now he's going to focus on smaller portions and pick us off one at a time. And we see that, don't we? We do. That's his angle. You see, he had no idea. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He can't be everywhere at once. He's not as powerful as you think. He is powerful. Don't get me wrong. He's powerful. Be careful. Roaring lion. But he's not God. He's not God. And he, not only can he be defeated, but he has been defeated in Christ. If you are in Christ, he can't touch you. He cannot touch you if you are in Christ. Now, he can stand on the outside of Christ looking in, and when he gets your attention, he can try to entice us with temptations and the desires of our heart. He's not stupid. He knows that desires can pull us out. He can be over there with your children and say, look what I have. I have your kids. They're homosexuals. If you want to believe that your children will go to heaven, won't you come over here and join this church that accepts homosexuality? And then you can believe your children will go to heaven. Won't you like that? Isn't that tempting? If you have kids that are in that situation, that's that's tempting. No one wants to believe that their children are not going to make it. That's what he does. That's his new attack toward us. Now, I want to talk a little bit about some of those numbers that the woman, three and a, uh, a times, times and a half a time, that's three and a half. Th- think uh, uh, about seeing the cross in your mind. On one side of the cross is the Old Testament time to, begin, to the beginning of time, and on the other side is the new church after the cross, New Testament age. So uh, three and a half plus three and a half is seven. That's God's complete purpose for man. Over on the left side of that, you have the Old Testament. And there you got the stars of the patriarchal age and the moon, the Mosaic age. That's the, the all uh, of the Old Testament age of Israel. The dragon was waiting to devour the child. The dragon and the angels waged war with Michael and his angels. And you, we see that happening, right? In the book of Daniel, we see it throughout all the prophets. Satan was. He was at, at work trying to destroy the purpose. Then after the cross... The accuser is thrown down. The dragon begins persecuting the woman in the wilderness. Um, the sun is here. Rather than stars and the moon, now you've got the sun. That's the Christian age. Forty-two months from chapter 11, verse 2. That's the treading on of the holy city. 1,260 days from 11.3 of the two witnesses prophesying. The three and a half days, the witnesses are viewed as dead in chapter 11. The 1,260 days, the woman in the wilderness, here in 12.6. Times, time and a half a time, the woman in the wilderness, 12.14. Over in chapter 13, verse 5, you're going to have 42 months again. That's authority of beasts to blasphemy. The numbers representing time are all different ways of looking at that same period. 
This is the New Testament age, the age of Christianity, until the coming, the return of Christ. And that's what's going on. It's a, a great, I think, to see these things. It's encouraging to the Christians in, in John's day. It should be encouraging to us today. Satan has lost. He's trying so hard. We know where his attacks are coming from and what they're going to be. All we need to do is arm ourselves to put on the full armor of God. The things he has, righteousness and faith and love and know his word, the sword, the word of the spirit, the sword of the spirit, the, the word there. And use those things, the helmet. Use these things for the church. Yeah, you can apply that to individuals, but there in Ephesians on the, the full uh, armor of God, he's talking to the church to arm itself because Satan's there. He's looking for ways to destroy us. He's going to find it. And we better be prepared for those attacks. He's always going to attack us when we're weak or when we're down or when we're our guards down, when we are become when we become satisfied with where we're at in our Christian walk. Don't ever get satisfied. Always be dissatisfied. That way you're always striving to do more and more and more. And so that's the end of chapter 12. We're going to keep doing these. I love going through these. I hope you're enjoying it too. And if you haven't heard the other ones, you can go to our website by going to www.nvcoc.net and click on that radio mic. You'll find today's program and all the previous ones uh, for Revelation, even to an introduction. I encourage you to listen to these. I know they're just kind of skimming over this, but I think they would be. Uh, it's good to try to keep away from getting tangled up in all that other stuff. These are visions. It's intended to encourage the folks of uh, John's time. It's intended to encourage us in our time. We can glean a lot from this. Don't let the devil convince you that you can't know Revelation or that it's too scary to understand. You can with perseverance by reading and studying and getting into the Word. We ought to not skip over this book. We can glean and learn a lot from it and be encouraged by it www.nvcoc.net click on that radio mic and I would love it if you could go to our Facebook page off of there and leave a comment about these uh, these uh, lessons as well I'd appreciate that well folks have a good day I'm going to be leaving tomorrow to go up to Prescott to engage in the Tackling the Text workshop I hope you can join us up there and may the Lord bless our efforts there may he bless yours as we all strive for the truth that we find in his son thank you and God bless this program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ